summer a journey in Jeremiah. We're not going verse by verse because it's a really long book. And Jeremiah is one of those books that is not written chronologically. So Jeremiah is a tough book to follow if you're going to try to like read it straight through because it jumps back and forth quite a bit. So we're going to work through that. We're going to hit some highlights of it. Uh, some of you actually know verses in Jeremiah. You just don't know that you know verses in Jeremiah. Uh, but when we get to those, you go, oh, that's like one of my favorite verses. And we'll go, yeah, uh, it's in Jeremiah. Uh, Jeremiah is a great book because of, uh, I think it has tremendous implications and applications for where we are today as a culture and where we are as Christians. So with that in mind, here's a problem. Anytime you get to a prophet, anytime you get to the Old Testament, you've got to have some history, Bible history to know. So let me help you out, okay? So bear with me for a little bit. We'll talk about a little bit of history. We'll put this whole thing in context, and then we'll, we'll go to Jeremiah chapter 1. If you remember, who was the first king of Israel? Saul. After Saul, who was the next king? David. After David, who was the next king? Solomon. Then what happened? The kingdom split. Remember that? Jeroboam rebuilt. The kingdom splits in two. One group is in the north. There are ten tribes that are in the north. Okay? They are called Judah. Huh? No. North. No. No? What? Oh. Wait a minute. I'm okay. Oh, see, I hate doing that. It's like Tanner and Hunter. I got them switched. Okay. So you got the ten tribes and you got the two tribes. Okay. Got me? The ten tribes in the north. None of the kings are good. They're all bad. So what happens is they go all into captivity. And you have the two tribes in the south. They have good kings, bad kings. Um, eight, I think, eight good kings and twelve bad kings. Uh, they jump back and forth. So when you read, when you read in the Old Testament, you see, and a good king, bad king, good king, bad king, good king, bad. That's south. Okay, that's where Jerusalem is. That's where we're going to find Jeremiah. So it looks something like this. Um, throw it up there. Let me find this thing. Okay, throw it up here. This is the area. It kind of divides itself just a little bit uh, right up in, in, in about here. Jerusalem, uh, and I can barely even see it myself. Uh, Jerusalem is Bethlehem. Jerusalem is right here. Jeremiah is from a little bitty city three miles north of Jerusalem right there. Okay, So he comes from that area. And so what happens is these guys up here, they go into captivity fairly early. Go to the next slide, um, and you'll see it. So what happens is the Assyrians take Israel into captivity um, around 700s B.C. All of that, they go into captivity early. They're the ones that had all the bad kings, and all the prophets came in. Uh, if you'll notice, Nineveh, Jonah, prophet up there in that kingdom, those guys go into captivity fairly early. And the reason they went into captivity both times, both groups, is because they worshipped other gods. And God said, look, it's the one thing I won't tolerate with my people. And he made them promise, you go into the land and you follow me. Don't worship other gods. And if you'll remember, when the kingdom split, what he did was he set up two centers of worship because he didn't want them going down to Jerusalem. 
And so they, the entire time, worshipped other gods. And God said, I've had enough. They go into captivity. What you have now is, in the, in the southern part of it, it goes back and forth. They have a good king, and they have a bad king. Good king, bad king. Bad, bad, good, good. It bounces around quite a bit. When we get to Jeremiah, Jeremiah is near the tail end of the whole thing. In fact, when Jeremiah starts, there's a good king. And then the last four kings are all bad kings. Jeremiah is the one who preaches. He starts preaching when there's a good king. He continues to preach. They go into captivity. And then he preaches to the, re- the remnant afterwards. So Jeremiah is the guy that's on like the tail end of the judgment. There are some guys who are contemporaries of him, like Daniel. But Daniel, if you'll remember, Daniel is one of them who, after they're taken captive, he's over here in Babylon. So Jeremiah is the guy who kind of stays put. So that becomes very, very important as we understand this story because here's what God's going to do. God's going to come to Jeremiah and he's going to say, look, um, I'm going to ask you to do something pretty tough. I'm going to ask you to preach judgment and hope for 40 years. Jeremiah also wrote the book of Lamentations. So what basically, when you look at the life of Jeremiah, here, here's the bottom line. In his entire ministry, not one person listens to him. Not one. He doesn't have one person go, oh, Jeremiah, thank you so much. That message meant so much to my heart, and I got things right with God because of it. Forty years of no results. Zip, zero, zilch. His own people, his enemies, doesn't matter. No one responded to this guy. Now, you think you got it tough. Let me ask you something. What kind of faith would it take for you to serve God if you went 40 years and saw no results? You pray, nothing. You preach, nothing. You do what God asks, nothing. How faithful could you be to God at the end of that time? Because that's Jeremiah. That's why I think this guy is so important for us to look at and and try to get our our minds wrapped around him. Uh, So with that in mind, uh, let's go to Jeremiah um, chapter 1. And uh, let's look at the story of a a heartbroken man with a heartbreaking message is how one guy said it. I'm going to break it down in sections, so we'll just kind of keep this up here for a while as we go. The words of Jeremiah, the son of... Hilkiah, one of the priests at Ananoth in the territory of Benjamin. Now, son of Hilkiah, Hilkiah was a priest. So Jeremiah was brought up as a preacher's kid, if you will. There is another Hilkiah mentioned in the Bible. Um, When Josiah starts his reign, there's a Hilkiah who finds the books of the law, and they all have it read, and and, and there's that whole big event that happens. It's not that Hilkiah. It's a different Hilkiah. It says that he's at Ananoth, the territory of Benjamin. It's about three miles north of Jerusalem. And you're going to see this phrase a lot. It says, the word of the Lord came to him in the 13th year of the reign of Josiah, son of Amna, king of Judah. And through the reign of Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, king of Judah, down to the fifth month, the 11th year of Zechariah, of Josiah, king of Judah, when the people of Jerusalem went into exile. So let me put it all in perspective for you. 
when Josiah comes to reign, he's eight years old. So he becomes king at eight years old. He's going to continue to be king uh, for 31 years. So when he ends his kingdom, he's going to be 39 years old. But he starts at eight. Notice it says that Jeremiah is called during the 13th year of the reign of Josiah. So Josiah or Jeremiah is called when Josiah is how old? About 21. Jeremiah is probably in his 20s. He's unmarried, um, and he is about the same age as Josiah. <clears throat> Remember when I said Josiah was a good king? So during Josiah's reign, Josiah's trying to do what's right. He's found the book of the law. He's trying to get stuff back in line for, for Israel. He's trying to do all that. So here's a question. If things are kind of heading in a good direction, and God's going to tell Jeremiah to preach judgment, who's going to listen? Things are going okay. We're, I mean, we're, we're, we're doing all right. You understand the difficulty of the job, the task that God's going to give you? And he goes on to say this, and he says, uh, the word of the Lord came to me. Now, this little phrase, the word of the Lord came to me, you're going to see a lot in, in this passage. Um, in, jo in the time that Jeremiah is king, here's what's going to happen. He, uh, Josiah's going to be king. Then he's going to die. There's going to be a new king for three months, another king for 11 years, another king for three months, and another king for 11 years. And the whole time, Jeremiah is in the middle of this coming off of the good king thing, going into the bad king, king thing. Starting with um, Israel, uh, Judah in promised land, ending with them in captivity and a small remnant. So when he starts, he's preaching to lots of people. When he ends, it's a small little group, ragtag group that's been left. Um, so he sees kind of the whole gamut. You, and we're going to kind of break down his life a little bit into kind of before the fall, during the fall, and after the fall. But it says here, before the, the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Now, we could spend the rest of the day on this whole passage right here. This, along with one, Psalm 139, is, 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 is incredible when you think of the implications of it. We, most of us in here, believe life believes, begins at conception, right? You could argue here that life actually began before conception. That's mind-boggling, because what does God say? God says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. David said the same thing in 139. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I was curiously wrought in the innermost parts of the earth. And David says, in your book, all my members were written. In other words, God had you planned before conception even took place. Now, that's incredible when you think about it for a minute. Um, let me say this to some of you who are younger. One of the issues you're going to start struggling with as you grow up, and, and adults do too, is how you look. And people are always, well, I could be shorter, taller, fatter, thinner, skinnier. I wish my different nose, my eyes are too close together. I wish I had more hair, not enough hair. I, all that stuff. 
But do you understand when you really get down to that what you're really saying? That God made a mistake. That when God wrought you, when God designed you, when God formed you, he goofed. And I don't know about you, but I have a little bit of a theological problem looking at God and going, you messed up. But here he says, Jeremiah, before you were ever formed together in a womb, let me tell you something, I had already known you, and I already had a plan for your life. And I'm going to make you a prophet to all of the nations, not just Judah. I'm going to make you a prophet to all the nations. And notice what he goes on to say. Jeremiah, ah, sovereign Lord, which to me is a tad ironic. I do not know how to speak. I am only a child. He looks at God and he says, in essence, okay, God, I can't do that. Because number one, I don't know how to speak. That's what Moses said. And I'm too young. That was what Paul said to Timothy. Don't let anyone despise your youth. Don't let those be issues you can't serve God. And so he goes on, and, and right away, that's Jeremiah's objection. God, I can't do it. Can't do it. And notice what God says. But the Lord said unto me, do not say, I'm only a child. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them. For I'm with you, and I will rescue you, declares the Lord. He said, look, Jeremiah, you don't have to worry about what to say. I'll take care of that. All I need you to do, Jeremiah... Be obedient, do what I'm asking you to do. That's all I need from you. You be obedient, Jeremiah, I'll take care of the rest. That's what God tells him. So God kind of lays it out for Jeremiah in this, in this idea, and then he goes on to say this, verse 9. Then the word of the Lord reached out his hand, and he touched my mouth and said to me, Now I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot, to tear down, to destroy, to overthrow, to build, and to plant. In other words, he says, Jeremiah, look, I want to use you to wake people up. I want people to kind of get, the, I want you to get their attention. I want them to understand that I'm in control, that I need them to follow me. And people are not going to like what you're going to say. But he goes on and he says this, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah and said, what do you see? So God comes in and says, hey, Jeremiah, what do you see? All right, so let me ask you this morning. When you came in here and sat down and looked up on the community table, what do you see? You're going, eh, I, don't, I don't know what he's up to, but he always does stupid stuff like that. Um, here's what God did, because this is, this is, this, you learn something about God here. God took that which was familiar to Jeremiah, and the first thing he points out is a branch. I cut this off of my... Red twig dogwood dozier, whatever it is. It's that tree that turns, it's that bush that turns with red twigs in the middle of winter. Love these things. Um, so I cut this off, the one in the back of my house this morning. In Jeremiah's world, there was an almond branch. Now, that doesn't mean anything to us, but in the town that Jeremiah was from, almonds were a big, big, big hit. Even to this day, it's, it, it's a leading um, producer of almonds. The Jews referred to the almond tree as the tree of awakening or the tree of hastening. And here's why. It was the first tree that bloomed after winter. 
It was the first thing to signal that a new time is coming. So in the Jewish world, in the Hebrew world, in the, in, in the world at that time, what this reminded them of was change is coming. And in that case, it was good change. It was spring. And so God looks at Jeremiah, and he says, Jeremiah, what do you see? And he says, I see the branch of an almond tree. And he said, you have seen correctly, for I'm watching to see that my, world's, my word is fulfilled. He said, Jeremiah, what I'm trying to get across to you, although times look pretty good right now, things are going to change. And I need you to take that message to people. That unless they change, things are going to change big time. And then, what does he say to him? And the word of the Lord said to me, you've seen correctly. Then the word of the Lord came to me again and said, what do you see? And what does he say? I see a boiling pot tilting away from the north. Oh, that would have been gone. This, okay, tilting away. Oh, see, I thought I had this right. All right. Tilting away from the north. There you go. That's north, right? Okay, good. I'm good. <clears throat> he said, what do you see? I see a boiling pot tilting away from the north. Okay? And the pot here, common ordinary pot. Something that, ne- that Jeremiah had seen every day. He'd get up every day. He'd watch somebody boil water. He would watch somebody get ready to cook. It was a common everyday thing. But the thing that was different is this was tilted. Now, if those of you who are cooks, help me out here. If I fill that up with water and it boils, what's going to happen? And which way is it going to dump? To the south, right? Notice what he goes on to say, verse 14. The word of the Lord, the Lord said to me, from the north, disaster will be poured out on all who live in the land. I'm about to summon all the peoples of the northern kingdoms, declares the Lord. The kings will come and set up their own throws at the entrance and gates of Jerusalem. They will come against all her surrounding walls, against the towers of Judah. I will pronounce my judgments on people because of their wickedness in forsaking me and in burning incense to other gods and in worshiping what their hands have made. So he looks at Jeremiah and he says, Jeremiah, listen, just like that burning pot is going to spill over to the south, he said, the people are going to come down from the north And they are going to take you over. Now, here was the problem. At this point in history, the North's not an issue. It'd be like me telling you, it'd be like me standing up and preaching today that the biggest threat to America today is Germany and Russia. You look at it and go, uh, maybe a while ago during the Cold War, but those days are like over. We got other issues now. We're kind of done with them, that stuff. But yet, and, and, and that's the same response. When he came in and went, hey, the enemies from the north are going to come down. Everybody's going to go, enemies from the north, man, they're in captivity. We don't have to worry about them. You're crazy. And he tells him, he says, no, you, they're going to set up stuff. And then, and then notice what he says, verse 17. Get yourself ready. Stand up and say to them whatever I command you. Don't be terrified by them or I will terrify you before them. Today, I have made you a fortified city, an iron pillar, a bronze wall to stand against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, its officials, its priests, the people of the land. They will fight against you, but they will not overcome you, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. He said, Jeremiah, 
It's going to get ugly. It's going to get tough. It's going to get hard. But you know what, Jeremiah? It's okay. Because I'm with you. And Jeremiah, I'm going to make you, notice what he says, like a fortified city. Like an iron pillar. This is a, this is a time in history when iron pillars were rare. A bronze wall. That's not the kind of thing you can break through easily. If, if at all. And he said, Jeremiah, everybody's coming at you with everything they've got. But it's okay. You just need to do what I ask you to do, Jeremiah, and it will be all right. I am with you. And that's how this book starts. And when we get done with this, you're not going to believe the stuff that comes at him. You know, you're not going to believe the stuff that people throw at him and say about him and try to destroy him and the things they do to him on both sides of it, enemies as, as well. Uh, he's going to preach against eight nations. He didn't go to eight different nations and basically say, you're wrong, follow my God. He didn't go to his own people and say, you're wrong, follow my God. And so it, it's an incredible story. So with that in mind, what do we learn? Here's a couple things. Number one, God uses everyday stuff in your life. God takes that which you're familiar with and uses it to teach you. He does that for all of us. But here's our thing. We're so busy, we don't get it. Because we're not looking for God. You don't get up tomorrow saying, God, let me see you in something today. But when you do that, you will be amazed at what God uses in your life. Um, as an example, I mean, are you ready for this? You know God can use Facebook? I had a guy uh, I'm Facebook friends with posted a picture the other day. Never seen a flower like that in my life. And I, I, I just stared at this thing because it, it has all of these intricacies with it, and it's so delicate and so uh, it's got all, I, I wish I would have brought a picture of it. This thing is incredible. And I'm looking at it going, I serve a God who did that as a byproduct, as just an afterthought. I serve a God who loves those kind of details. I serve a God who every morning gets up and paints me a sunrise and a sunset. I serve a God who is, is concerned about the bird that I hit with my car yesterday. I wasn't trying to, um, but, you know, it, it was one of those things where it, it just, and, and I was driving a Hyundai, so come on. I mean, if you can't survive a Hyundai, then, you know, you probably didn't need to be part of creation, but God took notice, you know? God takes notice to stuff like that. That's the kind of God we serve. And God looked at Jeremiah, and he just took a common everyday thing, an almond branch in a pot, and said, let me tell you some things about me, Jeremiah. Let me tell you what I'm going to do. Listen, you and I have the privilege of seeing God. And, and if you it, think about it, for people who have lost their sight, they don't get to see those things. But they hear things the rest of us will never hear. You know, why? Because God says, look, if you give me the opportunity, I'll use everyday things to teach you all about me. 
Um, I think another thing that I see in this story that, um, that I can learn from is the idea here that God had a purpose in Jeremiah's life. You really genuinely believe God's got a purpose for you? Because see, if your heart's beaten and your lungs are still functioning, God's got something for you to do. Oh, you don't understand. I'm just uh, whatever. I'm just a student. I'm just a, I, I, you know, I'm just a secretary. I'm just a, a, a worker bee. I'm just a this. I'm just a that. I, li- I like what one guy said. In God's sight, there are no little places. There are no little people. There are no little things. In God's sight, it's all significant and important. And when you understand the implications of what he said, when God says, look, Jeremiah, before I even formed you, I had a plan for you. And God would look at every one of us this morning and say, you know what? I got a plan for you. I'm not done with you yet. I've got something for you to accomplish. Might be a ministry to your grandkids. Might be a ministry to your neighbor. Might be a ministry to wherever God has you. Might be a ministry to that coworker. Might be a ministry to that cashier. It might be a I, I want to use you. I got a plan for you. I, I have something I want you to accomplish with your life. I want to use you. But notice, he doesn't say it's always going to be easy. What he's asking Jeremiah to do is going to be really tough for Jeremiah going to involve a lot of ugly stuff. But you know what he says? Jeremiah, you need to know this. You're never alone. I'm not going to ask you to do something and abandon you. I'm with you the whole way. So yeah, Jeremiah, you're going to have to go and you're going to have to preach against people and they're going to throw you in prison. They're going to put you in a dungeon. They're going to do this stuff to you and all of this kind of thing. But you need to know, Jeremiah, you are never alone. I am always with you. Let me tell you something. When you're sitting in a funeral home with the death of a loved one or in a hospital emergency room because somebody that you care about is going to something medically. You will come to understand a peace and a comfort that can only come from God. You are never alone. You are never ever alone. You go, Pastor, you don't know what I'm going through. You don't know how hard it is in my marriage. You don't know how hard it is for my kids. You don't know how. I don't. I don't live your world. I don't. But I have a God who does. And I have a God who says, I am with you always, even to the end of the earth. I have a God that says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I have a God who cared enough about me. Not only did he save me, but he gave me the Holy Spirit to say, he's going to be with you all the time. He can work in your life. He can help you through it. He can give you that encouragement or that help that you need. He said, you're never alone. And then he says this, and this is the last thing that I see in life to your mind. He gives him a power that you can't describe. He looks at him and says, I'm going to make you like a bronze wall. People are going to come at you People are going to bounce stuff off of you, but you're like an iron pillar. You're like a bronze wall. You're like a fortified city. It's not going to get through to you because that's who I am, Jeremiah. But I need you to follow me. When I tell you to go and preach this, I need you to go and preach that. When I tell you to go and do this, I need you to go and do that. And here's the great thing about Jeremiah. You know what Jeremiah says? Okay. Now, can you imagine if I put a sign-up sheet back there 
and said, okay, I need three people who, for the next 40 years, will have no one listen to them, will have their friends turn on them, will have their enemies turn on them, will be persecuted, attacked, made fun of, stabbed in the back. Volunteers? But God said, Jeremiah, I got a plan for you. I've got a purpose for you. But you know what? I need you to trust me, and I need you to follow me. Is there any verse in the book of Jeremiah that as I'm talking about this comes to mind? Anybody know it? 29.11, which says what? Know it. Josh, you know it? Aaron? Not to harm. I'm with you. I'm with you. Okay, I didn't put it up on the screen, so I'll get a read, and I don't have it in my note. Um, he says, I, it's there. Jeremiah 29. And you guys know, as soon as I start reading this thing, you're gonna, it's going to come to your, your mind. But remember, God's asking him all this stuff, and then here's what he says. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, thoughts of peace and not evil, to give you an expected end. Then shall you call me, and you shall go and pray, and I will hearken unto you, and you shall seek me and find me, and when you search for me with all your heart. You're not alone, Jeremiah. You know, I, I, I want what's best for you. But I got a plan. I need it done. And you're my guy. I don't know what God's going to ask of you or me this week. Don't. Don't know if it'll be something easy and fun or if it'll be something difficult and hard. But here's what I know. He wants me to say yes. And whatever he asks me to do, he's going to go with me through it and he's going to give me the power and the strength to do it. Because that's what serving God is all about. So I close with this. <clears throat> this week, your circumstances or your situations have not taken God by surprise. He wants to use you, but you've got to be willing and obedient. You've got to be willing to do things His way, not yours. This week, let's follow His leading. Let's allow Him to use us in the world that we're familiar with. And realize, Whatever you're sitting here this morning going through, you are not alone. You can see his hand and his power if you'll follow him this week. And that's what he wants for each of us. Let's pray. Lord, use us. <clears throat> Lord, the things that you asked of Jeremiah were hard, and sometimes, Lord, you do ask hard things of us. But Lord, we need to follow you with our whole heart. Give us the kind of passion for you that Jeremiah had. Lord, may we be willing that no matter what comes our way to always stay close to you. Lord, help us. Use us. Lord, there are folks here this morning that are going through some just incredible things. The burden is heavy, but Lord, would you help them to turn to you to ease some of that load? And Lord, for each of us, may we open our eyes to the world that you've called us to. God, you've got a plan for our lives this week. You've got a, uh, a purpose 
for us and the people that you bring into our path this week. So help us, Lord, to love you, to follow you, to serve you. And may you be honored in our lives this week. These things we ask in your name. Amen. Um, let's stand.